Okay, so we're going to continue discussing the building of the Mishkan the second time around. We discussed the curtains yesterday, and now we're going to talk about the making of the walls, the planks, and then we'll get to the Aron, and then we'll go back to the Kruv, and we'll talk more about the images that were on the Paroches and the Kaporos and all that. So um, we have the making of the walls. We discussed this at length last time. We did the first time. Each... Yeah. So each one of the planks was 10 amos tall, which is about uh, 15 feet or so, maybe a little bit more, by an amo uh, wide, by an amo and a half long. As we discussed, there was 20 planks on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, on the south, on the uh, north. There was 10 on the east wall, and each one of these had two planks under each, two uh, sockets under each plank. So a total of 40 sockets on the right side, 40 sockets on the left side, 20 in the back. And then in addition to that, there were sockets on the top that connected them. So they were all flush against each other. We discussed also, there were little grooves on the top part of the, of the beams to allow the one socket to hold two beams together so they couldn't separate one from the other. In addition to that, there were crossbars that went around the full length of the Mishkan. There was two on the top and two on the bottom on the two long walls. So there was, if it's 20 amos long, so there was, sorry, 30 amos long, it's 20 things. So there was, 50, each one was 15 amos, two for the top, two for the bottom, with a gold overlay that it went into, like a gold kind of hook, not a hook, a gold uh, socket that it went into. So again, this also held all the walls flush together. They couldn't separate or fall apart. And then in the middle of the planks, the middle was hollowed out, and there was a beam, a pole rather, that went all the way through the middle hole, all the way through, all the way, uh, according to one opinion, all the way around, according to another opinion, there was one that went through the entire length of the north and south walls, not two poles, but one long pole, and one along the middle of the back wall. And then all this was overlaid with gold. In addition, there was a screen that went in the front, in the entrance to the Ohelmoid. So you have planks on all sides, right, on three sides. On the fourth side was open. There was five. There was four planks in the front, on the two ends, and uh, separated from that. And then the whole middle was a hanging screen that people were able to enter. Th- when I say screen, I don't mean like a net, like to catch flies. It was a it was a parochas. It was a it was a curtain made out of the uh, all the different wools, the twenty four different strands with the images of the lions and the eagles that we discussed. That we all did, and we're going to get back to that soon. Next thing that the Torah tells us that Betzalel made, after making the walls of the actual building, right? He made the walls, he made the curtains, he made the entrance. So now we read about the making of the Aram, the Ark, which contained within it the tablets. The two tablets that Moshe Rabbeinu brought down from Mount Sinai were placed inside the Ark, and this Ark had to be made. What was its measurements? Two and a half amos long, one and a half amos wide, and uh, one and a half amos high. This was a very, very unique construction. Again, we talked about it just very, very briefly. There were three boxes. The outermost box was gold. Then there was a wooden box, and the innermost box was also gold, so that the wooden box was completely covered in gold on both sides. There was um, four sides, well, not four, on two sides, but there was four rings on two sides to put in the poles. And once these poles were entered into the rings of the 
Aaron, the poles that were used for carrying it, unlike the other vessels that were only used during the time that the mission was being transported, these poles stayed there. They were not uh, taken out of the Aaron ever again. The poles were covered, they were made out of the same uh, shittim wood, overlaid with gold. And then we come to the cover of the ark. What was the cover of the ark? So the cover was pure gold, same size, two and a half amos long by one and a half amos wide. So it sit on top of it. And as we already explained, the lip of the outer gold box was higher. So that when you put the cover in, it fit inside. So the lower gold box, the box was lower. So uh, I'm not a visual, but basically you have the first box is higher, the lower box is lower. So the cover sits inside very snug. So when you looked at it, it's fully like, I don't know, it wasn't airtight, but that's the idea. It's completely covered. So the wooden box was covered with gold on the top two. And this, and then on, outside of it, there was a gold rim that went all the way around. So it was a gold crown that came over the edge. So when you looked at the side of the arrow, you didn't see the cover. You saw the gold crown that was going around the sides of the arrow, and the cover was inside that gold rim. And then says the Torah to us, zahav. You should make two golden kruvim, miksha. Uh, should be hammered out from the actual piece of gold. So it was not that there was a gold cover. And then on top of the gold cover, there was, you know, welded on or screwed on or attached with some super glue, these beautiful golden kruvim. Rather, it was one solid lump of gold, a massive, massive block of gold, two and a half hours wide. I think that piece of gold that's like, you know, four or five feet wide and uh, three and a half feet for, uh, well, long and wide. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the Kruvim were an Amahai. It doesn't say it explicitly in the Torah. But going on memory, uh, the Kruvim were a full Amahai. I might be wrong. Which means that that's 18 inches. That means that's like, talking about a huge piece of gold. And then, and then they hammered out, they hammered out of the Kruvim, out of this rock gold. These, artes- these, these artists, they hammered out the shape of two Kruvim from the two ends. The classic explanation of this Kruvim were the faces of two young children, a boy and a girl, meant to represent the angels with wings. And the wings were going over their heads, covering their heads. And the wings were touching each other, or there's a space right between where they were. And from that space between the wings, that's where the voice of Hashem would come out when he would speak to Moshe Rabbeinu. So this is something that I've been struggling with, you know, whatever. Every, every year you learn Torah in the new dimension and, you know, the new things that come. So we're trying to understand, like, I would love to have more time to research this. What is the explanation for why Hashem would tell the Jewish people to make Kruvim? Okay, last time we learned this, if I was true, we went through all the details, how it was made and the sizes and the measurements and all that. Now let's get more, I'm going to give you two perspectives onto why Hashem tells us in the Holy of Holies to make the images of a boy and a girl or the images of angels, rather, when Hashem clearly told us at the giving of the Torah, we shall make no molten images. And okay, after the giving of the Ten Commandments, in fact, Hashem says clearly, besides you shall know other gods, Hashem says explicitly after the Ten Commandments, you shall not make any molten images. And as Rashi tells us clearly, not to make any more crew, not to make three instead of two, not to make not a silver instead of gold, which means that simply a Jew shouldn't have, you know, why should we have any crew? Rashi tells us that the means that you shouldn't have silver instead of gold, you shouldn't have, uh, you know, make the Kruvim in another shul, outside the base of Mikdash, 
which seemingly, if you can make them in the base of Mikdash, why can't we replicate them here? And we have a beautiful Aaron Kodesh, make two Kruvim over here. So, two explanations, and it, it doesn't really make sense. Why, you know, everything it's, simply doesn't have to make sense. It's like, Zerash Hashem said to Nehgi, that's what he wanted, that's what he wanted. But how do we understand it? So the Rambam, the Meir Nevochim, gives the following explanation. This is the logical explanation. If you're familiar with Meir Nevochim, this is how the Rambam, and the guide to the perplex, explains the Kruvim. He explains that the Kruvim are re- meant to represent the angels of Hashem through which the prophets get Nevoah. For a Jew, one of the 13 uh, fundamental beliefs of a Jew, the 13 Ikre Emunah, is to believe in the power of prophets, and the power of Hashem to communicate His will through the people they choose to communicate His will with. So not only do the Jews have to believe in Hashem, they had to believe in Moshe, the servant of Hashem, who had the ability to hear what Hashem wanted, to communicate with Hashem, and then to pass on that message of Hashem to the Jewish people. This is the idea of Nevuah, it's one of the 13 principles of faith. So Hashem wanted that in the Mishkan, which is meant to build, what's the whole purpose of the Mishkan? To build the faith of the Jewish people. Why did the Jews come to the Mishkan? To connect to Hashem. That was the whole purpose. You came to the Mishkan, it's the house of Hashem, to connect to God, to, to build your relationship with God. So just like a Jew has to believe Hashem Echad, Hashem has no image, and Hashem has no form, and Hashem has no dimension, no, form, no picture to Him, etc. We also need to believe that there's a concept of angels and a nevuah. However, the angels have duality. Unlike Hashem, that is Echad, the angels are limited, and the angels are not one. The angels is many angels. And therefore, to represent the multiplicity and the duality of the angels through which Hashem gives nevuah, for that, Hashem gives the commission two angels in the, in the Kedush Kedashim, two Kruvim, to represent the angels that do have a form, angels do have an image, so they don't represent Hashem. If there will be one Kruv, that would be idol worship. That would be making an image of Hashem. But making two, it's clear that we're not talking about Hashem, because Hashem is Hashem Echad, and this is Shnaim, this is two. So what does it represent? It represents the angels, the servants of Hashem, and they do have a form, unlike Hashem. That's how the Rambam explains it in Meren Nebuchim. Okay. Now I'm going to give you one more explanation. There's one other time in the entire Torah where we're introduced to Kruvim. And you know, we're, there's one, besides from here by, regarding the Mishkan, there's one other time in the Torah where we talk about Kruvim. No? Ezekiel went out to the chariot. Yes, that's first of all, yes. That's the division of Yechezkel, of course. There was the Markava, which we talked about yesterday. You were here yesterday. We talked about that yesterday. But, what? Jacob. No. We're the Kruvim of Jacob. There's one time in the Torah, the Torah mentions the word Kruvim. Right in the very beginning, in Parashat Barashas. In Parashat Barashas, Adam and Chava sin in the Garden of Eden and they're banished from the Garden. Right? Hashem gets angry. Says the Torah, chapter 3, Pasuk Chav Dalet. By Yigarash to Adam, Hashem drove the man out of the Garden of Eden. By Yashkin Mikedam Lagan Eden, Es HaKruvim. And Hashem stationed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, the Kruvim, which Rashi says, what's the Kruvim? The angels of destruction. And the flame of the sword that's revolving, that's turning around. Lishmar to guard as derech etachayim. To guard the path to the tree of life. Okay? So the Pasuk. It's the only time you have the word Kruvim in the Torah. After they're banished from the garden, 
Now, Yegoresh is Adam. Hashem drove man out of the Garden of Eden. And he put on the east side of the garden to block man from ever going back in the Kruvim, these angels of destruction, and the Latachet of this revolving uh, sword that was turning around to guard Bishim Gat Eretzachayim. Okay, so what's the symbolism of this? What's the connection of this Kruvim to the Kruvim in, in the base of Migdash, which were not angels of destruction, they were angels of love. They're two cute little kids that are, you know, same Kruvim, same word for angel, but in different contexts. When Hashem made the world, Hashem had a place in the world. Where was His place in the world? Where was Hashem seen in the world? Gan Eden, right? That's where Hashem was walking and talking in the garden, talking to Adam, and He says, Ayak They saw, it says actually clearly, that they heard the voice of Hashem in the, in, in the garden, talking to them. That, that's by uh, Yishmu, uh, a few seconds before. They heard the voice of Hashem traveling in the garden, except Hashem was there. What happened? When Hashem originally made the world, was for us and Him to live together in the world. We sinned, and we lost that opportunity, and we were banished from the garden, and Hashem put Kruvim to prevent man from being able to come back to the garden, to have a connection to that place where Hashem is most felt and most revealed in the world. What's the Mishkan? The Mishkan is us building a home for Hashem. The entire objective of the Mishkan was to reveal the Shekhinah in the world once again. Which is what happened when they finally finished erecting the Mishkan and Hashem's Shekhinah was revealed. That's the whole objective. To bring back, in other words, to bring back an Eden, to bring back a revelation of Hashem into the physical world. So when we sinned, there was crude input to prevent us from having that connection, to having that revelation of godliness. When we finish rebuilding the Mishkan and finish remaking a home where Hashem can be felt like the Gan Eden, but now it's not that Hashem built the, Hashem made Gan Eden, we made the Mishkan. Now that we make it, the representation of Hashem reconnecting to us is the Kruvim. And in fact, where do we hear the Kurdal Likim? Where do we hear the voice of Hashem? The Gan Eden was where we heard the Kurdal Likim. And then we were punished, so the Kruvim stopped us from hearing the voice of God in the Garden of Eden. From where does the voice of God come to us once again? From in between the two kruvim. Between the two kruvim. Yeah? Is there a connection as well being that the angels were sent to keep us from going back to Canaan before? These angels are baby faced. Does that symbolize that we're forgiven? Yeah, that's exactly the point. That is exactly, maybe I wasn't clear. That's exactly the point. The same angels that were put as angels of destruction. I thank you for making me clarify. The same angels that were put to be the Kruvim of destruction to prevent us from having Hashem revealed in the world now become the Kruvim of revelation. That's the point. The place from which the voice of Hashem comes out to the world is from the place between the wings of the Kruvim. So now there are young, beautiful faces of young children showing that the Hashem is in love with us. We're forgiven cleanly from our sin. Are these the same Kruvim? No, so it's not the exact same. The Kruvim, by the way, is, is the word though. How many words could be used to describe angels? Many. Strafim, Malachim, Yifanim. Many words. The only time we find angels described as Kruvim, we don't normally, when we describe the angels, we don't use the word Kruvim. It's not the typical word used to describe angels. It's described only two times. Kruvim by Ganeiden. When the Rashi tells us it's, it's angels of destruction. That's what Rashi tells us. And then the same word Kruvim, which means an angel, an angel could be anything, an angel, whatever mission the angel is given, that's what the identity of the angel is. 
with Kruvim in regards to us reconnecting to Hashem. And in fact, take one more thing, I'll take more questions. You have three, let's get a little more, but if you have three places where you have an image of the Kruvim on this kapiras between the Arin and the space of the Luchet and the Bavit, you have um, between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim on the Pereiches, between the Holy and the Holy of Holies, and on the curtains that was over the roof of the, of the Mishkan. Right? Three times that you have images of Kruvim. On the cover, on the Yiriyos, on the Pereiches, between the Holy and Holy of Holies, and on the actual Kapur, between the outside space and the inside of the, of the Luchas. When Hashem, this is us making a home for Hashem. It's directly, you know, uh, directly opposite Hashem making a world for us. When Hashem made a world for us, three times in the Torah it says that Hashem separated in the six days of creation. First time Hashem made a separation, so you have three separations. Separation between inside the Luchais, inside the Aaron and outside. Separation between inside the Kedush Kedashim and outside. Separation from inside the Kedush, the roof, and outside of the main building. Three times in creation, Hashem also separated. First time, God separated between light and dark. Right? Second time, between the waters above and the waters below to make the Rekiah. Well, good morning, Al. And the third time, and the third time of Ayavdel was between the waters of the ocean and the dry land. Each one is three separations. Go into each one, but I'm going to leave it for this for now. We're going too long already. Three separations Hashem made in creation, and we had where Hashem was hiding Himself. And three times where we put the where we put the image of the Kruvim to bring Hashem back into revelation. And we'll stop there.